Well, hopefully all of you received the 10-year ministry plan when you walked in for the service tonight so that you can follow along as we share. This is a special evening where the nine elders of our church are going to present a 10-year ministry plan, the concepts that we believe are important as we look forward to the future of our church. Now, I really introduced all of this this morning uh, during the morning service, so I'm not going to take any more time to do that, and I'm going to get right into this ministry plan, and I have two parts of it tonight. I have the discipleship area at the top and the leadership changes that you will see at the bottom of the first page. So I have those two areas. The first thing we want to share with you is that we see discipleship as the umbrella under which everything else we're going to share tonight falls. We believe that we are called to make disciples. I spent all of or a good part of uh, 2017 asking the question, what is a disciple? So we want to see this taking place in all areas of the church, uh, all areas of teaching for all ages. So we want to use all church relationships as opportunities for discipleship. Very briefly, being a disciple is growing in Christ and being challenged to be a more faithful follower of Christ. Now, at least when I grew up in church, discipleship was something that you took somebody through a course or you had a navigator's book or some other book and you went through that with them. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we want to see discipleship as much more than that. We want you to see every friendship, every ministry relationship as a potential discipleship opportunity. So that person you work with in Awana, that person you work with in Christ Cadets, that person you work with in the coffee ministry, that person who sits in your area every single week, they sit in your section of the auditorium, do you know what? They are potential people for you to build into their lives and them to build um, in your life. And so we want you to see all friendships and all relationships as potential. Teachers, all of our teachers here, don't just teach to teach, but teach to disciple. We want to develop a discipleship curriculum for church leaders, ministry leaders, and lay people. Now, this is something we're still thinking about, still developing. But here's the question that we're thinking about as we look forward to the future. How can we help you? And how can we put resources into your hands to help you disciple others? We want to teach about church membership, church discipline, and church counseling as forms of discipleship. When we have an opportunity to work with with someone and talk with someone one-on-one, we want to ask, how can this... How can this relationship be used to help them to grow in Christ and be challenged to be a more faithful follower of Christ? So in other words, not to see these things just as a process, but as important opportunities, even church discipline. Let's say that we have to confront someone because they're involved in some sin. Not just to say, oh, we need to confront them and we need to tell them the consequences. Well, that is important to say, how can I disciple them? How can we work with them? This is something the 
we've been thinking about as elders. Someone comes to one of us and criticizes something we're doing in the church. Rather than being defensive, rather than saying, boy, they're critical, and but saying, how can we disciple that person? How can we help them to see why we've made the decision we've made or why we're doing something the way that we're doing it? To see everything, everything we do as potential discipleship. Also under discipleship, we want to mobilize our membership and regular attenders in such a way that a growing number become world Christians. Now, we move this from world missions to discipleship, although it could fit under either, because we believe that becoming a world Christian is something all of us should want to do and desire to do. This goes along perfectly with John Kresge's series on the story of the Bible. If God's design is to bring glory to himself through the spread of the gospel to every tribe and language and people and nation and to create white-hot worshipers from every people group in the world, if that is God's design, then how should this affect the way we live, the way we raise our families, and the way we spend our money? It is seeing the critical importance of God's glory and the reaching of all people in everything we do, that this is an important part of being a disciple of Christ. So everything else you're going to hear tonight falls under this broad, grand umbrella of how can we help each other in every relationship, in every relationship to grow in Christ and to be challenged to be a more faithful follower of Christ. Well, the second area that I have tonight is leadership changes. I talked about my retirement this morning, so I won't go back into that. But also, as I mentioned this morning, there are several other paid staff members who are also going to be retiring in the next seven years. Karen Leaf is planning on retiring at the end of 2023. Like me, this is pretty firm for Karen. This is the goal that she has. And as most all of you know, Karen has played an absolutely critical role in the growth and development of the Beacon of Hope ministry. Replacing her will not be an easy task, and we are grateful that we can now plan and uh, pray about how we're going to do that when that time comes. Pastor Ron is going to be retiring somewhere around 2024. He's not as firm, maybe as I am or Karen is in our dates, or are in our dates, but he said that he will be retiring at least or by 2024, possibly even earlier. Not later than that, but possibly even earlier. And there's another pastoral staff position that we will need to pray about and think about. Holly Marinak and Cheryl Havlin, um, they will both potentially retire within the next five to seven years. And I talked to both of them this week just to make sure they were okay that I was saying this. And you may be asking, well, how old is Karen? How old is Ron? How old is Holly? And how old is Cheryl? Well, I told you how old I am this morning. And let me just say they're right around my age, okay? <laughs> We're all pretty close to being the same age, so. But here's the important thing. That means five five important staff changes in the next seven years. And we need to be discussing this, praying about it, and planning for these changes. They're not going to 
catch us off guard. We know about it, and we're planning for it. Okay? So I will turn it over to John. Well, as I present the 10-year plan for the Beacon of Hope ministry, I think it's appropriate to, first of all, share the vision statement of the Beacon of Hope ministry. The vision statement says that the Beacon of Hope will be a vibrant, effective, gospel-shaped ministry of First Baptist Church that provides compassionate, Christ-centered care, delivered in a manner that helps without hurting and serves as a respected, contributing partner in the human services community in Clinton County. I'll be referring to this vision statement as I discuss the 10-year plan. Now, Beacon of Hope is, first and foremost, a gospel-shaped, gospel-focused ministry seeking to introduce people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. To that end, there are four areas of emphasis that the Beacon of Hope will pursue over the next 10 years. The first area of emphasis is evangelism and discipleship. Beacon of Hope will strengthen and expand efforts to share God's word in a meaningful way with participants. As mentioned in the vision statement, Beacon of Hope seeks to be a gospel-focused ministry to pursue, uh, for the purpose of introducing people to Christ and to disciple believers in their walk with Christ. Now, some of you may recall a guest speaker that we had here uh, in the mid-2000s, Scott Klusendorf. Well, during a conversation that I had with Scott, he said something that uh, has stuck with me all these years. He said that Beacon of Hope needs to be, first and foremost, a true ministry to share the gospel of Christ. If that, if that doesn't do that, we might as well take the money that we are spending on Beacon of Hope and give it to the local food banks. So the things that Beacon of Hope currently do to share God's word include development of Bible study materials, Bible study groups for participants, and one-on-one conversations with advisors. Those efforts will continue, and new avenues will be evaluated and implemented as appropriate. The next area of emphasis is programs and services. The vision statement also says that Beacon of Hope will provide compassionate care delivered in a manner that helps without hurting. In order to effectively do that, Beacon of Hope will explore, evaluate, and implement new programs and services that fit within the mission of the ministry. Programs and services currently provided include food assistance, used clothing, the Learn and Earn program, legal services, and one-on-one advising, just to name a few. Now, Beacon of Hope will continue to add programs and services that meets the needs of the ministry and the participants in a way that show Christ's love and empowers participants to make positive changes in their lives. The third area of emphasis is personnel. In order to do all the things that Beacon is doing and plans to do, there needs to be adequate staffing and time available uh, for serving our community. Beacon of Hope will pursue adequate staffing, both paid and volunteer, to be open six hours per day, five days a week, for participants and others to access the programs and services offered. And the fourth area of emphasis is partnerships. The vision statement also says that Beacon of Hope will be a respected, contributing partner in the human services community in Clinton County. Beacon of Hope can't be all things to all people, nor should they try. In order to live out the vision 
Beacon of Hope will partner with Christian ministries and community organizations and agencies to serve those in need in our community. Beacon of Hope has partnered with a number of Christian ministries and community organizations over the years. A few examples include Salvation Army, Basic Needs Center, Greater Lansing Food Bank, Capital Area Community Services, Legal Services, and His Cup Runneth Over uh, Mobile Soup Ministry. These and many other community agencies and organizations refer people to Beacon of Hope as well. So Beacon of Hope will partner with additional ministries, organizations, and agencies as appropriate uh, to be a light for the gospel in Clinton County and elsewhere. Good evening. I have three points of emphasis listed for the long-term plan for the building and grounds. Um, Number one is to budget for big-ticket maintenance items and continue to maintain or replace equipment on a regular basis as needed. Uh, By big-ticket items, I mean things like replacing large areas of carpet, roofing projects, parking lot replacement, and those types of things. These are typically things that wear out, are expensive to replace, and things that are hired out. In other words, things that are not done by me or volunteers. Um, and with facilities our size, we're going to have things break down that we didn't see coming. This happens a lot. Uh, things like a furnace or an AC unit. Um, those type of things can usually be handled financially within the budget. Um, the goal here is to be able to foresee the really expensive replacements that will be coming down the road into a budget accordingly for those um, And number two on the list is to develop a regular schedule for upkeep on areas of the building and grounds that are not necessarily considered routine. So these are things like carpet cleaning, painting touch-up, parking lot maintenance, landscape maintenance, and on and on. Um, When I say not necessarily routine, I mean that they aren't things that I'm doing as part of my normal routine, weekly, monthly, those type of things. They are things that need done on a regular basis. They might be more like six months or a year or even two or three years apart. So the distinctions between these jobs and the big ticket items that I just mentioned are that these things are typically lower cost. Uh, They're needed done more often than the big ticket items. And some of these things can be done by me or volunteers from the church or the community. Um, And I mentioned community and volunteers from the community because I have had some opportunities to work uh, with young men from the area who have needed community service hours, court-ordered. So I've had a few of those opportunities. Some of those have worked out well, some of them not so much. But um, I've come to realize that stewardship is part of discipleship. Um, So for you parents out there, The next time you have a son that gets in trouble and you're going to ground him, um, you could just call me and he could uh, maybe work on the grounds instead of being grounded. (laughs) Just a thought. Number three is to develop and make available a list of periodic maintenance items that could be done by volunteers from First Baptist. Uh, I've been reminded that as a facilities manager, I don't have to physically do everything myself. I just have to make sure that everything gets done. Uh, I've also realized that there are some things that I could be doing better around here, um, but time just doesn't allow for it. 
Um, so I have made a list that will be made available. Um, I don't want this to look like a cry for help. I would rather you see it as an opportunity to get involved in the upkeep of your church. Um, so I have several opportunities on that list. Um, just one example would be that an individual or a family could sign up to use a church's carpet machine, uh, clean the carpets in a certain area of the church or the beacon of hope, say, once a year. Um, there's several other things like that. Most of the things on the list don't take special skills. They could be learned quickly. Um, and the church owns the tools and equipment to get these tasks accomplished. If we don't, I could uh, get the supplies needed. I like to call that equipping the saints for the work of ministry. <laughs> it just came to me this morning. So if you'd like to see that list tonight or in the future, you can uh, look me up. Leadership development. It goes hand in hand with and is critically linked to discipleship and building world Christians. I think that leadership development is described in Ephesians 4 very well, where God's word says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God's word reveals such a beautiful example of the body of Christ, the local church, which is the gospel made visible. Leadership works as gifts to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, <clears throat> by human coming, by cra- human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We, and, and I know you know this, we live in a culture where defeat, deceitful schemes are rampant. Some would call it fake news and the post-truth era. It's critical to train up church members who are vigilant in speaking the truth in love, and whose aptly working community is joined together, building itself up in love. We need gospel-centered, godly leadership in order for God to be glorified to the max, developing men and women to fulfill their calling by being equipped for the work of ministry. This will focus on Training in the knowledge of the word of God and training in righteousness. Wisdom 
calls for knowledge to be applied to life. Over the next decade, we will focus on these three areas for leadership development. One, to assess and develop plans to train and develop current volunteers, staff, elders, and deacons. From Sunday school teachers to small group Awana leaders to church staff, pastors, elders, and deacons. Basically, looking at how are we shepherding all of our leaders and work to better equip the saints for the work of ministry. Secondly, assess and develop plans for identifying and growing future deacons and elders. Through small group leadership, mentoring, one-on-one discipleship, service, and leadership opportunities. And thirdly, to assess and develop our Bible Institute training for uh, growing current and future ministry leaders, both men and women. And this could include small groups and mentoring with young marrieds, young families, men's groups, and women's, women's groups, and a whole other many, many other possibilities. That would be leadership development at First Baptist. While we heard from Pastor this morning about the responsibilities of uh, church leadership from Ephesians 4, which we've heard uh, already several times, I think this is probably the most I've ever heard the phrase in a single service, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. How does that manifest itself in my areas of pastoral responsibility? First, I want to keep in mind that, as Tim mentioned, that we are a team. There are areas of overlap uh, among the things that you will have heard by the end of tonight's presentation. Just looking at the title of my position, it should be noted that music is not the only responsibility that I have. The title is Music and Tech. I have just as big a mandate to oversee and develop the area of technology as I do music. Some of the teaching and training uh, I can't uh, see to if I am always on stage and leading worship. So the first goal I want to mention tonight is simple. I want to seek out at least three men who are willing to lead worship. I want to make certain that they are trained well so that they can be confident and capable of doing that task. There are men who have led our congregational singing when I've been absent or involved in another area of ministry, for which I must say thank you. But I'm not talking of just a relief pitcher for the times when I'm away. Part of what I have uh, worked through with my musicians is something I've called uh, or titled a ministry covenant. And in it, there's a reference uh, to Exodus chapter 9, verse 16. And it says, uh, In every deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth that God will be able to raise up from our congregation individuals who can do these, these tasks. And it further says in that ministry covenant, for the raising up of others, I bless you, Lord, to raise up one who is more qualified for this ministry than I, that your purposes may be better fulfilled through this ministry. I bless my leadership to recognize such a one at that time of your choosing. Now, I'm not necessarily out there looking for somebody who can do my job better than I can, but there are people out there who can do the job I do and need to do so. The music ministry is not about me or about any individual or group of individuals here at First Baptist. It's about the cause of Christ and the edification of the believers who worship here regularly. 
Having others function as music leaders will also help me be able to, just for instance, be in the tech booth so that I can teach and train there. Live service training can be tremendously helpful in many ways. And if I'm always up here leading, singing, playing a guitar, whatever it may be, I can't be in the back advising my sound technicians how I might want them to do things a little bit differently because I'm always here. My second list of goal is to expand to a full team of instrumentalists to include uh, as many different instruments as is feasible. There are plenty of musicians who are currently enjoying being part of the congregational singing that could and should consider becoming part of the ensemble teams that serve each weekend. Pastor said this morning that we each have a mandate to serve Christ with the gifts and talents we have. None of us can simply sit and enjoy each week and say that we've done church. That's not how God designed us to be, and that won't accomplish the task that we've been given. I have just this week been witness again to a vast array of musical instruments used to help lead in worship. And I was talking with someone this morning about, yes, I was seeing instrumentalists and musicians that are at the apex of skill levels. And while we may not have that particular mix um, in a full array of instrumentalists like I was able to see at the conference, there's plenty of people that serve here at our church that could serve as musicians and instrumentalists. I'd like to see what all we can develop here at First Baptist Church to see what sort of instrumentalists we can uh, uh, get busy doing the act of helping lead in worship. I'd also like to, as it says on the sheets you've been given, explore and implement a worship choir concept. This is something I've heard of in concept form, yet I've never done it in any of my churches. This is intended to have a group of people to help lead in more of a choir form, a little differently than you're accustomed to seeing uh, in our services up here with the four vocalists we regularly have. Uh, Yet it's not a choir in the normal sense that you might think of a choir. This will take a bit of research on my part and a training process as well, uh, as well as some logistical juggling to figure out how we could put a group of individuals up here on the platform that would be able to function in that capacity as well. And we need to see how that could look in our context. I think it could enhance what we do here in our congregational singing and allow some folks who might be interested in becoming part of a worship ensemble to learn the skills necessary to do that. One of the things I've done over many years is to have a second keyboard up on the, on the platform. For those young keyboard players that are coming up to have an opportunity to not necessarily be in the spotlight, but be able to develop the skills uh, to perhaps become a lead pianist at some point in future, if that is their desire. And the same would be true uh, in the context of a worship choir. I also want to point out that you shouldn't think that it's easy to do what the vocalists and instrumentalists do each week. I won't go into it too much right now, but it takes a lot of guts to stand in front of all these people and put yourself out there for all to see and to never make a mistake or to look terrified. And uh, these are skills and things that we need to develop within individuals so that they perhaps can become part of what you're accustomed to seeing up here on the platform uh, with the vocalists we currently use. 
Lastly, to stay current on technological advances that will enhance our services, enhance our services, not distract from them. And as you can see tonight, there have been plenty of technical that we, we are working on getting rectified. And yet this manifests itself in a number of different ways. One of the things in technology simply is, like, for instance, the digital directory that we have been working toward, the picture directory with the app and, and all of those sorts of things. Um, I even have, um, I won't bore you with the tales, but I, I wear a watch. You might it's not really a watch. Most people might say, what in the world is that thing? It's a metronome that my instrumentalists get to wear so that we can all be on the same time together, and nobody knows. So don't say anything. This really could take an evening all in itself to talk about the ways in which technology could be advanced. And there are constantly things, and I saw things at the exhibits at the conference even this week that would kind of blow your mind as to what can be out there and used in, in worship. And there's so many ways in which these technological advances can be used. I look forward to seeing what God will allow us to develop here at First Baptist. It's not necessarily our purpose to become cutting edge in every aspect of what we do, but there are technologies out there that can help us do what we do and do it better. And that's our goal. Thank you. Well, this, the section I have to share with you in our plan, our 10-year plan, is safety ministry. It's a relatively new ministry. We've had it here for a few years, but it's a new ministry as far as churches are concerned. And uh, I think you'll see it grow as our times change. And uh, most churches will eventually adopt something similar to this. Uh, as our culture changes as well. So I have three areas I want to share with you uh, tonight that uh, deal with that, and uh, uh, at least the goals we have set for the, f- the years in the, uh, to come. And the first one is, is uh, to disciple and teach leaders and volunteers on the importance of safety and security on church grounds without sacrificing the Bible's teaching on God's sovereignty. And what, we talk, what I mean by that is even though God is sovereign, what is our part and maintaining a safe and secure environment, according to the Bible, as we worship and as we have activities here. What is our part as people, as humans, uh, in, in this type of ministry? It needs to be a part of our worship time as well. How do we implement that, and how do we develop that in our, in our people here? And then what part does child protection play in our churches today? This is an ever-changing part of the ministry and as, uh, as our culture changes and as time changes, as, our, as time goes on, I should say, uh, that will change. And uh, we, have, we have issues in our society today with that. So we need to stay abreast of that and help people understand the importance of it. And then the second area I want to share is the, uh, to help the congregation gain understanding that because of the times and the culture that we do live in today, safety ministries have become a necessity And I already kind of touched on that. Places of worship no longer hold a place of sacredness among many people today. There was a a time where people would maybe rob the bank next door or the 7-Eleven next door, but not even think about uh, hurting or touching or messing around with church grounds, even if they weren't, had anything to do with it. Just something about it. Well, those, those days are gone. Uh, uh, for the general population. So uh, that's something we have to understand. And also uh, do training, uh, provide training in medical emergencies. Medical emergencies today are, are so advanced, uh, the training form is so advanced that many lives can be saved with quick action. And churches are not exempt from that. 
Uh, we have a number of medical emergencies uh, often here at First Baptist. Most of you don't realize that. Most of you don't know that that's taking place, uh, but we do. And we need people trained and to continue to remain trained in those ministries. And how does that all fit in uh, with safety and being able to sit in this auditorium on any given Sunday or in any uh, activity church has and feel safe and secure in that environment? Then the third area is to develop and to maintain a constant, safe, and secure environment for worship and other church activities. Folks, the bottom line is, unlike places like schools and hospitals and and places like that, we still need to be inviting here. We need to be inviting, we need to be friendly, and we need to be gospel-oriented as we carry out the safety ministry. We can't be, you know, uh, frisking people at the door, uh, making them go through metal detectors and things like that. Maybe that'll happen someday, but... It doesn't become very inviting for visitors and people who want to attend church. So how do we develop that to where uh, we don't, well, we just don't seem too uh, unique or too too standoffish uh, to the general public as we try to get people to attend church and and hear the gospel. Uh, And that's a a task we're working on and we will need to continue to work on. And also to continue training and education. Uh, this is always evolving. This, this ministry is always changing as we learn more and as we do more and as people experience more because we're not a hospital, we're not a school. There's certain things they can do that we cannot do and certain areas that, that they uh, can, can work in that we cannot work in. So how do we do it as a church? So we need to uh, continue to train and, and be educated uh, on these. And that, and that will be important because uh, I'm... I'm, I'm, it's going to carry on long after I'm gone from this ministry, and that might not be too long. So uh, we need to make sure people understand uh, that this ministry is something that we're going to have to get used to and something that is necessary in our churches today. So, Shepherding care. This is one of the things when Pastor Tim talks about discipleship that I guess really offers a lot of potential with discipleship is a vital part of our church. And what is it? What would you say if if somebody asked you what shepherding care was? And and what I've put down here is it's loving care for spirit, soul, and body, for the spiritual, emotional, and physical needs of each member. And each member is very, very important, as, as was shared this morning, to us. Each and every person, each and every need, each and everything they're going through, is very, very important for a healthy body. So providing an atmosphere of healing, restoration, edification, and encouragement. And how would we do that is following Christ's example as found in in Psalm 23 is just a very good example of shepherding people. Being sensitive to what might be lacking, whatever might be needed, and leading to try to help them get to green pastures and still waters and restoring their soul and leading them to paths of righteousness for the Lord's name's sake. But it will be a thing of patiently protecting, restoring souls, and caring for that one soul at risk, that one uh, sheep that maybe wanders, has a broken leg. We pick them up and we bring them back. So it's just protecting, and one thing we want to do is we want to offer 
through difficult times that people face and always will face, we want to, in the situations they have, the valleys in the life that they go through, we want to offer to be with them, to be with the hurting people as they're going through this, to be an encouragement, to be a crutch, to be somebody that they can lean on in encouraging them and drawing them to the Lord and in every part of this aspect, it is such a wonderful discipleship opportunity to always be alert, to always have our antennas up and looking around. And that's where it is very important to realize that, that we as, as elders miss people. We might not catch everything. We might not see everything. So we really do pray that you, you would let us know at different times if there's people that are needing care, We would love to know that. We would love you to share that with us. But just be watching all the time, watching for those cups that that aren't running over, that that are empty, that are are drained away, and that they would be the people that are, are just drained with what's going on in life, that we would be able to fill those cups to overflowing because we love them and we care for them. So the goal in all this would be uh, to have a healthy, vibrant, functioning, productive sheep or a body that each one is cared for in their their spirit, their soul, and their body. And that um, in doing this and carrying out this goal, we'd we'd like to have the plan of of equipping, not like Darrow equips, but equipping people for the ministry, for, the, for just being sensitive to people and having people visit people, call on people. You know, there's so many people in this church that are such a blessing and an example to me of what they do to just love people. They care for them. They call them. They send them cards. They do all sorts of things. And just let those people know that somebody's concerned about them, somebody's thinking about them, and they are very, very important to us. So our prayer is that here at First Baptist Church, <clears throat> that it would be a place of refuge to God's glory, that it would be a healthy, fit, effective, useful uh, place for people to come for the glory of the Lord and for the glory of his wonderful name. World Missions. Uh, as many of you know, Sunday nights, as we've been teaching Sunday nights, we believe here that central to the heart of God is that he is on the march to see some from all peoples of the world be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We just uh, sang redeemed, redeemed. Do you know there's thousands of people groups in the world that speak their own language and culture that can't sing that? They don't know anything about that. They have not been redeemed. But God is on the march to reach every one of them so that indeed they can do that. Since God aims to be worshipped in this all-encompassing way, there should be nothing more central to the ministry of this church or to any church than that we join with him to see the nations reached. This is what we call world missions. Therefore, As Tim already mentioned in his discussion of discipleship, we aim to mobilize all of you, all of our people, regular tenders, members, to become world Christians. 
Under that general umbrella, there are many important ways that we should be pursuing this endeavor to reach the nations for our king. We highlight three here. In the next decade, we hope to see or we will aim to see to send multiple more couples or units from our own church and or support some new missionaries not from our church to the unreached and the unengaged peoples of the world as career missionaries. It's a long statement. This would not be a new direction. This is continuing on what we've been seeking to do for the last many years. Two excellent examples of that are, of course, Craig and Shelley Schaefer in Papua, Indonesia, and Kent and Jenny Schaefer in Mozambique. As mentioned this morning, as you all know, Preston and Stephanie Nichols are on the last legs of being sent out by us. We voted to do so. They're finalizing their mission agency and their location. And so they would be, if the Lord continues to lead their our next couple that we would send out as career missionaries to the unreached, unengaged. Uh, we're also considering, as mentioned also by Tim, Marcus and Rachel Lehman, not from our church per se, we're not sending them out, but missionaries who are going to actually Bible translators to go to facilitate the reaching of many different language groups in Asia. Two terms in this statement that should be explained a little bit. Some of you are saying, oh, we know what they mean. We don't need to know anymore. But some of you need it. Uh, What's an unreached people group? It's a group of people in the world, be they 200 to 2 million or more, who share the same language and culture, but they cannot sing, I have been redeemed. Right? They have not yet been reached. Now, some of these will have even potential, some Bible translate, Bibles translated in their language and some work among them. But there's, and so there would be some believers, but not enough. Not enough. Not a vibrant enough church that can actually do the work of reaching the rest of their people. That's an unreached people group. An unengaged people group goes a step farther. It's an unreached people group, a group that can't, by and large, Some individuals maybe can, but for the most part can't sing, I've been redeemed. But there's, at this point, still no one targeting them. No church, no agency, no church planning team going in to reach them. So the unengaged, unreached people groups. Second thing on the list, we will seek to develop regular training times for all teachers, leaders, or leaders of our, small, of our church ministries, helping them to integrate the story of the Bible in each of their ministries. Love to have an opportunity for those who are teaching and influencing through the Word of God from young and old alike, how to really develop this understanding of the story of the Bible as you teach, and even within families. We're not sure just how this will look and develop, but we believe that teaching and exposing this very key aspect of the Bible is paramount if we were to develop world Christians throughout our congregation and join with our Lord Jesus Christ in march, marching to the nations. Finally, the last statement. We want to regularly send key church leaders to visit, to minister to missionaries our church sends out cross-culturally. We've not really done that yet. It's been a burden of mine for a long time. And the more missionary missionaries we send out, the more opportunities. But... 
there will be many reasons for these kinds of visits. We believe that as the Lord uses us to send more from our own, he would be honored to have us look for ways to encourage our missionaries with visits for many different reasons. Construction help, we have done that. Bible teaching, maybe teaching the missionary team themselves, or maybe through translation providing teaching for their people that they're teaching that they're working with. Counseling opportunities, encouragement, just encouraging our missionaries. It also would provide a great opportunity for many of our leaders to get some cross-cultural experience, to see what the needs really are out there, to see what opportunities that they could bring back and help us to understand more as we pursue becoming growing world Christians. You know, one of the things that Uh, resonated with me that Tim said this morning uh, is when he talked about the future generations of our church. Uh, And that is a passion for me as I've been involved in youth ministry uh, here at this church, uh, both on staff and prior to being on staff uh, for over 17 years. Uh, That's a long time. And uh, I'm soon entering the stage where I will be ministering to kids who weren't alive when I started doing what I'm doing. Uh, And that's exciting for me. That's not a bad thing. And we are desiring to see our church served now and in the future by ministering to the kids and to the teens uh, of this church. And in fact, I've said this from this pulpit before, nothing makes me happier than to know that teens that have grown up through the ministry of this church, who have come through my uh, youth ministry in high school, who are out and serving. Uh, Maybe they're in another church in another city, but I know that they're serving Christ uh, there, and they're helping to make that church strong. Or or maybe they're serving uh, in some ministry context somewhere. Um, That gives me the greatest joy to know that people that have grown up here are out serving Christ. Uh, And so the the points that uh, we'll be looking at under youth ministry are things that that really integrate well with all of the things that the elders have talked about uh, this evening. The first one is that we want to train up the next generation of disciple-making disciples. That's a passion of mine, that we want teens to not be receivers of ministry. We want them to know and to learn and to understand that from the point that that they know Christ as Savior, they are to be serving others. They are to be disciple-making disciples. They are learning about what it means to grow in Christ, but they're also being involved in discipling others in that as well. This is vital to local church ministry, and we want them to see and to learn and to know that from a very uh, early stage. And so that means we want them to be involved in serving. We, we don't want uh, them to be constantly taking. One of my uh, pet peeves, and, and people will hear me sometimes and call me out on it, I don't like the term youth group. We are a youth ministry. We are part of this local church. We are a ministry of this local church. We only exist because of this local church. Uh, And we are part of this body. And that means that that our teens need to be involved uh, in serving. And they need to be involved in not just serving themselves and other teens, 
but they need to be involved in serving uh, the, the rest of the church, whether that's at the Beacon of Hope, whether that's some of those things that, that, Del, uh, that Daryl mentioned about that he wants to equip people to do. Uh, they need to be not just helping out in nursery and toddlers and running children's church, which are some things that our teens do, but I would love to see them expanding that and, and being involved in our library ministry, being be involved in more in our Beacon of Hope ministry, because this is their church. We want them to be disciple-making disciples in every aspect of this church. We also want to send out missionaries from our church who grew up in our youth ministry. Uh, I'm not old enough to claim Craig. Uh, I can say that Kent went through uh, our youth ministry. Uh, R- Rachel, who was Kay, uh, and Marcus Lehman. Uh, Rachel grew up in this church. Those things give us great joy. Preston was involved in 24-7 and in our high school ministry. Uh, These things give us great joy, and they should give us as a church great joy in knowing that we're, we're raising disciples who want to be world Christians. This is important for them to hear that, that this is what God is doing. He is on the move to reach the nations, as John just shared about. And he wants us to be raising up our kids to be sending them out and not to be saying, no, these are ours, these are mine, we want to keep them close. And it's a great sacrifice that parents are, are, are asked to make, but we want to be a church that encourages that uh, and celebrates when we see that. Um, but we're not just about reaching uh, the nations. I want us to have a growing and strengthening presence in our high school and in our community. I want our community, when they see teenagers from First Baptist Church, to say, you know, there's something different about them. They love Christ, and they desire to serve him in, 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 ways, that is, in ways that are different uh, than the other teens in this community. And finally, I, I have it as a goal to be raising up Timothy students, students who will impact the next generation for Christ through youth ministries. Paul uh, said to Timothy that these things you have heard me say entrust to faithful men who will also be willing and able and wanting to go out there and teach these things to others. And I wholeheartedly believe in youth ministry, and so I want to be training up people who want to make an impact on the next generation uh, of, of teenagers. I want to be raising up people who are going to make the next generation of, of Sunday school uh, teachers because, you know, the Sunday school teachers that we have won't be there forever. We want to train up teens who are going to be able to come in and maybe it's here, maybe it's at a church somewhere else, maybe they're going to go uh, to the west coast or the east coast, but they're going to be involved in their church. And that's something that we've also been very thankful to see. We've had teenagers go out, we've had some come back, and we have some serving as small group leaders and Sunday school teachers and, and, and el- or not elders yet, they're not that old, but we do have deacons that have grown up in this church. Uh, and those are wonderful, wonderful things. But the last thing that I want to close with is Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. All of these things that we have on this piece of paper are our best efforts to pray about and to seek God's will for what he would have for our church. But we're going to trust the Lord that he's going to establish our steps. First and foremost, that means, you know, maybe Tim will be here for 10 years. This is what happens when you let me go last. (laughs) We are doing our best to lead and to guide and to direct this church. Uh, But we're fully trusting in the Lord and how he's going to uh, establish our actual steps. So in that vein, 
we are having a fellowship tonight. And we desire to have you approach us at that fellowship and say, you know, because this is not an exhaustive list. There may be other things that we've talked about that we had to weed down because we only had one hour to go through this. Um, and, and so you may approach us with something and say, have you ever thought about that? And we may say, yes, that's absolutely on our radar. Or you may approach us with something and we'll say, you know what? That's amazing that God has brought that to you to, to bring to our attention because that's not something that we've, we've thought about. That's what the fellowship is for. Don't get me wrong. Barbecue ribs and chicken are always a good thing. But the purpose is for you to be able to interact with us, to ask us questions. So please uh, take the time to do that uh, while you are enjoying uh, the food and the fellowship as well. Uh, I am going to close us in prayer and uh, then Mike is going to come and close us uh, in a song. And uh, I'm going to pray now for the meal as well. So don't think that there will be... Don't wait um, for someone to pray there. This is going to serve as our uh, time of prayer for that fellowship as well. Thank you for being here. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Your grace and mercy have been so evident in the years that this church has faithfully desired to serve you. And Father, we know as well that as as has been shared from this pulpit that a good church is maybe only one pastoral uh, bad decision away from going in the direction that it shouldn't by losing its heart and desire for gospel ministry. Father, we pray that you would just have your hand of blessing upon our plans. Father, the things that are wise, we pray that you would help us to to accomplish them. And Father, the things that are outside of your will, we pray that you would help us to to see and to, to reroute our plans. We want you, Lord, to establish our steps. We want to be fully dependent on your guidance, your will, and your direction for our lives. Because we can't do this on our own. We need you. And so, Father, we pray that, that as we work through uh, these transitions in, in uh, ministry, pastoral positions and, and ministry leaders and, and staff positions, Father, we just pray for your wisdom in all of those things. Our heart's desire is to raise up men and women to know you, that want to seek you in their own lives and honor you with their lives, both here and to take your name to the ends of the earth. And so we pray that you would help us to accomplish those tasks, not for our sake, but for your great name, because you alone are worthy of that kind of love, commitment, and dedication. And Father, now we thank you for this fellowship. We pray that it would be a sweet time of rejoicing over your goodness to us, of planning for the future, and of building one another up uh, to equip one another for the works of service that we are going to embark upon over these next 5, 10, 20 years until you would return. May you bless this food that we, we have together, this time of fellowship, and may all of it be done with a mind on you and desiring to honor you even with all that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.